Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Australian Grape and Wine Studio Canberra podcast. My name is Lee McLean. I'm the General Manager for Government Relations and External Affairs at Australian Grape and Wine. And with me as always is Tony Badaline, our CEO. How are you, Tony? Yeah, good. Thanks, Lee. And welcome, listeners. So, Tony, today we're going to drill down on a couple of um, issues that a lot of grape and wine businesses are facing at the moment. Firstly, I'd like to have a quick chat about um, some of the shipping issues that are causing really significant disruptions to the sector. And secondly, uh, I want to talk about the availability of labour leading into the 2022 vintage. So we'll kick off with shipping. Now, you and I speak to... um, Great growers and winemakers every every day, and exporters as well, and and so do people in our team. Um, one issue that has come up time and time again over the last few weeks is is this issue around shipping, both in terms of increasing costs of shipping, uh, and also the difficulty that many businesses are having in actually booking a spot for their wines on ships leaving Australia. Um, Tony, I know you've been doing a fair bit of thinking about this. What's the actual scale of the problem, uh, and is it getting any better? Yeah, thanks, Lee. And look, this is a really complex and difficult issue. It's also an international issue. It's not just an Australian issue. And it really comes back to those supply chain disruptions. It started with the initial COVID outbreak, but it's been compounded by a few other issues that keep coming back to us. So the initial drop-off in exports when the COVID-19 pandemic began in early 2020 obviously put pressure on containers and the movement of containers between countries. Now, the increase in Shipping demand, there's pressure on fleets, port infrastructure resourcing as we get less uh, shipping lines uh, operating, and I'll talk about that later. And it means that there's increased congestion at those ports that are taking through product. Several factors which have uh, negatively impacted on the global shipping uh, environment, and I keep stressing this is not just an Australian product, but the new COVID outbreaks, they caused a lot of port problems in various countries as countries and states locked down. The Suez Canal blockage, uh, the Ever Given was the name of the ship. It was a big good ship, a big container ship. It blocked the fourth busiest shipping lane in the world throughout March 2021, causing enormous disruptions that we're only still seeing going through. Uh, the container shortages, a lot of this has happened because of China. Uh, we used to send a lot of containers to China, a lot of containers came back. We're not getting as many containers in Australia now as we've seen less and less uh, imports of various things back to Australia. So that means there's container shortages. Um, we're seeing a lot of short notice changes to shipping schedules to counteract as, uh, as shipping, uh, as it becomes more and more complex to put those shipping schedules together. And we're seeing a lot of ships now that are either sending empty ships to pick up containers or else they're not omitting to stop in some ports simply because it's difficult to get through congested ports. So what has happened is it's led to the majority of global shipping lines announcing they're suspending their services out of Europe to both Australia and New Zealand. means we've got limited options now. Our market's down to one or two shipping lines that will accept any bookings to Australia and New Zealand. And that means that sending product outwards and backwards is limited to those same shipping lines. And this means that ocean freight rates have become incredibly high. So the cost of sending wine overseas has become high. And as well as that, it's imports. So oak barrels, there was some newspaper reports last week about uh, the ability of getting oak barrels into Australia. Uh, It's very hard to get anything from Europe at the moment. So carriers are saying that stop shipping to avoid adding more pressure on the transshipment points. So the big transshipment points of Singapore and Port Kalang, 
Uh, they've got to clear the backlogs of overbooked vessels. They've got to stop congestion at the ANZ container parks as well as more full containers sent but not returned. So this container shortage is a real problem. And, of course, concentrating on other trading routes such as China through to the US and Europe mean that there are other, you know, we have to look at other options. So it's a pretty complex uh, and, and challenging issue right across the world. And I'm sure it's not just uh, not just wine, of course, and not just Australia either, but it's a, it's a global problem, as you say. From a commercial perspective, though, Tony, so you sort of listed all those, all those issues. What are the really practical ramifications for exporters that, that they're sort of dealing with at the moment? Well, certainly not good news for wine exporters, Lee. And I, for once, I'd like to have a podcast where we had good news. Uh, this is not one of them. Those shipping delays, they're generating out of stocks and many Australian wines sold in export markets. So we're getting a lot of problems from customers who want our wine, but they can't get it. So they're out of stock in those countries and they can't fill orders. Uh, massive increases in the cost of exporting wine. So even if you can get a container and you can get a shipping line, the freight costs have gone up a lot. Um, it's clear that the key markets that we've got in the United States, Europe and throughout Asia, they're receiving their orders of Australian wine either very late or in case some cases not at all because we can't get shipping. So we're going to have this record-breaking 2021 vintage in volume, um, but it will get a higher wine production. So that wine's starting to come online now. It's coming through the tanks. But exporting this wine is going to be difficult for about the next 12 months. So there's no short-term fix to this problem, Lou. There's also a potential for cancellation on forward orders for Australian wines. That makes it very difficult for you fulfilling your customers' requirements and also makes it difficult to maintain those long-term relationships. And it's clear that as we desperately look to diversify markets to overcome the, the China shortfall, that shipping restrictions may become a barrier to opening up those new export markets or increasing the wine export volumes in emerging markets. So it's a big issue, it's a big commercial issue, and it's not one that's going away anytime soon. Indeed, it's a very, very challenging issue. Um, and the big question is, Tony, what can, what can be done about it? What can we do? Yeah, and that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? So we're, like everyone else, we're bringing the, the issue to the attention of the government. But it's really important to note that this is not just a wine issue, like it's not just an Australian issue. So agriculture and manufacturing, anything that we export in a container is facing these same problems. We formed a coalition of the like-minded to work with, like the National Farmers Federation, the Australian Food and Grocery Council and the Chamber of Commerce to see what can be done. But it's very difficult for all concerned. So we're going to keep working on it, but I can't see any clear solution for this, Lee. Um, so from a business perspective, it's going to be critical to plan as far ahead as possible. Keep talking to those international buyers and customers and distributors about the situation and make sure that everyone's informed and if possible, try and, particularly for inputs coming into Australia, try and get those orders in early. Uh, we're doing what we can, but honestly, it's very hard to see a practical solution that we can bring in. It is indeed. And, and for any, any listeners who are sort of experiencing these types of issues, um, please do feel free to get in touch with us because I think it's really important that we have a, a good understanding from our members and from our listeners about um, what is happening on the ground uh, with regards to these shipping issues uh, so we can we can most effectively uh, advocate on your behalf with government. So, Tony, from, from one tricky issue to another, um, the availability of labour in our sector. We saw it last vintage um, 
with regards to COVID, the international borders were closed, uh, a number of state borders were closed, and even even movement around uh, within a state uh, was was challenging. Um, thankfully, we had that uh, industry status, which was very very important for us to enable us to to, to continue with vintage. But um, it's going to be another issue again next year, I think, for 2022. Um, it's something that we're all concerned about, and of course, it it applies to it applies to a range of different areas of labour. You know, we're talking about workers in the vineyard, workers in the winery, and even work on those that sort of technical equipment um, on farm and within the winery that you require really technical expertise, often from overseas, to to, to come into Australia to uh, to undertake. Um, Tony, to be frank, I can't see Australia's borders reopening to travel if ahead of the 2022 vintage. I know we're both in lockdown at the moment. So what should businesses be thinking about in the lead up to vintage? Yeah, thanks, Lee. And I think we did um, dodge a bit of a bullet last year with labour in the grape and wine sector. It was certainly, it wasn't as big a problem as we thought. We, we were very nervous about it, as you recall. Uh, we did a lot of work to make sure we got that essential industry status for the industry so we could keep operating. But because we had that longer, more extended vintage, that created a, a situation where uh, we could manage that labour force much better. Um, we might not be in that position this year. So like last year, I think preparation is going to be critical. Start planning as early as you possibly can to secure your labour needs. Uh, it could be a regional solution. So start talking to others in your region about what you need and figure out where there are opportunities to collaborate and work together to make the most of what labour is available. Um, like others, again, we're working to highlight the sector's needs to, to the government, both states and federals, along with other agricultural sectors. So we're all working together to try and get that labour force here and so it can operate. Uh, we're working to make sure that the rolling lockdown scenarios we're seeing now in different states and territories will allow for cross-border transit when it's required. Um, we still have agriculture as an essential service, but given the fluidity of the COVID-19 and the rate of transmission, nothing is certain at the moment. And I think we've got to be preparing for the worst um, just to make sure. So we're exploring a lot of other options indeed to provide more options for the next vintage, but there's no easy answers here. And these labour issues go right across rural regional Australia and indeed across the cities now. Um, one of the things, it's not just in the vineyard, in the winery or those people who service our equipment. It's a shortage of cellar door staff. It's a shortage of catering staff, of restaurants. It's people who sell our wine are having trouble opening to be able to actually get that out. And that's another, another really important issue is those skilled tradesmen, those skilled chefs, those skilled cellar door people aren't there. And we need a broader strategy to deal with these issues in regional Australia. It's, it's a big issue, Lee. I think it's one that um, hasn't been resolved yet. The federal government is well aware of it. Uh, so we're doing what we can to make sure that we can bring what labour we can into the country. And of course, everyone is trying to upskill their own workforces as well. And I'll tell you what, Tony, you mentioned the fact that we are an essential uh, industry and that's that's been critical to being able to, to complete Vintage uh, last year and to continue the work that we do. But um, as you as you mentioned, you know, nothing is certain. So it's going to be really, really important that every vineyard and every winery, every cellar door has those um, COVID safe protocols in play, um, that they're, they're taking that very, very seriously because um, there is a there is a real risk uh, that if 
you know, enough businesses don't um, don't meet their obligations with regards to the COVID safe requirements, then that essential industry um, status could be taken away. It, it is uh, it's a privilege, not a right, at the moment. So we need to make sure that we're protecting that as best we can. So. Tony, before we wrap up, we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about what's going to be in our glass this week. Now, I've got something a little bit different um, this week. As you know, I'm a big fan of the Canberra region and I'm a big four wins wines here in Canberra. Um, and I'll note that Sarah Collingwood, um, who who runs Four Winds, is a terrific member of our our board, um, terrific member of Australian Grape and Wine. Now, in 2020, that awful uh, vintage uh, in Australia that was, you know covered in smoke and and caused so many uh, different businesses around Australia to have to drop all their fruit, um, Four Winds being one of them. Um, they actually produced a terrific um, Riesling gin out of some of that fruit that they were able to salvage, uh, which was which is terrific. So it's it's a great drink. Uh, and I think it shows that that innovation and uh, and entrepreneurship that that um, that is really, really important in those difficult times. So I'll be enjoying some of that, hopefully sitting in the sun in my backyard, even though I'm in lockdown. What about you, Tony? Like you, Lee, I'm in lockdown and I'm a glass half full sort of person as well. So I'm looking to enjoy something from the Riverland. So as most of you are aware, that well-known family company, McWilliams, was recently sold and the Calabrias bought a large portion of that. Uh, Bill Calabria uh, and his sons have been long-standing members of Australian Grape and Wine. Um, they've produced some fantastic wine. Uh, they've got a fantastic cellar door there in Griffith. It's one I would recommend that if you're in the area, you should go and see. It's a really good place. And the wine is, is, is absolutely wonderful. So, um, sorry, in the, I said Riverina, in the Riverina. Um, so, you know, combination now, McWilliams Calabria. I'm going to drink a Calabria Giraffe. It's a, it's a beautiful drop. Um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's probably what I'm going to need because, you know, we've got some tough times ahead of us. So uh, let's all enjoy wine from all around the country. Let's drink responsibly. Let's keep our COVID-safe plans in place. And, and please get vaccinated if you can. It's the only way we're going to get through this. So thank you very much for listening. Here, here. Thanks very much, everyone.